Hello and welcome to the Riff Raff podcast, hosted by Amy Baker. The Riff Raff is a writer's community that champions the work of debut authors and provides guidance, support and services for those dreaming of one day being published themselves. This week, I'm chatting to Wendy Mitchell, author of Sunday Times bestseller, Somebody I Used to Know. Wendy was diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's at the age of 58. Her book is a philosophical, profoundly moving, hopeful look at what it means to be human and a brave affirmation of the woman dementia has seen her become. Billy pads into the kitchen, performing a tiny dance in front of my feet before he finds the patch of sunshine on the kitchen tiles. He flops down onto it while I scratch the back of his ears and he purrs his approval. I shake some biscuits into his bowl and he gets up and crunches on them noisily. He's only allowed a few as Gemma has put him on a diet. She's not sure why he's put on so much weight recently. Even the vet commented on it. I make myself a cup of tea and as the kettle boils, I feel Billy's tail curling around my legs. I glance at his empty bowl. Oh, Billy, have I forgotten to feed you? As I shake a few more biscuits into his bowl. Hi, Wendy. Thank you so much for coming on the Riff Raff podcast. Oh, I'm very happy to be here. It's a real pleasure to meet you. Thank you. Um, so you're, we're here to discuss your remarkable memoir, Somebody I Used to Know. Um, can we start with you speaking a little bit about your journey and how that culminated in the decision to write this book? Well, I was diagnosed with young onset dementia on the 31st of July 2014 and I may not have much of a short-term memory but that's one date I never <laughs> forget um, and I, I didn't really start really have the idea to write the book I'd been approached many times by different publishers to write a book but I knew I couldn't write one on my own because I'd write the same thing on every page <laughs> so when Anna Wharton emailed me wow. asking if I'd be interested after she saw a video I'd made for oh, I can't remember now but for something and she'd been so taken by it because her father had dementia and died when she was in her 20s and she said I wish I'd had a book like this to read at the time because then I would have understood him better but it was very important for me and Anna to actually for me to trust her mm. and to get on because I'd be revealing my deepest thoughts to her so we met one day in London when I was heading somewhere else and we immediately just clicked and we just got on just like we'd always known one another, which was, that that just put my mind at rest that it could really happen. Mm. But then, of course, the process of deciding how we could possibly write a book together, that that began for us both. So Anna, so Anna Wharton is a print and broadcast journalist she and is. she's ghost-written a few memoirs, hasn't she? She has, she's yes. She's currently writing her debut novel, I read, that, which is exciting. She is, yes. <laughs> um, so can you, can you talk a little bit about the, collaborate, the, the collaborative process? Oh, yes. Well, it was a bit hit and miss to begin with because 
you know, we, we needed to find a way that worked for both of us. And so <laughs> we realised that because we live so many miles apart, she's down in the south and I am up in Yorkshire, we wrote most of the book through WhatsApp and email. Wow. <laughs> And Your favourite means of, of communication, yeah, yeah. Because I can't use the phone like she would probably ring people and chat over the phone. I can't use the phone. So that was a... We thought that might be a real stumbling block, but in fact, emojis took on a whole new meaning. <laughs> <laughs> and we'd, we'd... She would WhatsApp me in the morning to say what bit we were writing about. And then I'd write, type out my bit, because I can type as though dementia never entered my world. And I can type far quicker than I can think and speak the words. So for me, this medium was perfect. Yeah. And so once we'd WhatsApped, um, I'd type and send her a piece and then she'd weave it into what we'd already written. And funny enough, I kept... She was very, very patient with me because I would keep saying, oh, we must include this bit. And she'd say, well, we did that last week. <laughs> <laughs> so I, that's why I say I would have written the same on every page for me. <laughs> but Anna kept it all in order. Um, we, she, I sent her the whole of my blogs, because the blog was started a few months after I was diagnosed. Mm. And we had a period of 18 months while I was being diagnosed, where I have no memory or very little memory of what happened. Before that, I've got a brilliant memory of childhood and growing up and working. Mm. But that 18-month period was a real stumbling block until we realised my daughter had kept her diary for that period just by pure coincidence. And so she filled that gap that we were missing. Wow, it's like the universe. (laughs) It was. It was like meant to be. Yeah. And so that we were able then to put things in chronological order of how things happened. Yeah, and how long did it take? Oh, it was about a year. I'm sure it was about a year. And I was actually very sad when it was coming to the end because I'd love that connection of of writing and I love writing. Yeah. And I, I actually remember emailing Anna saying, oh, well, I suppose that will be the end of everything then because you'll go on to your next author or your next book and she sent me a lovely whatsapp back saying you don't get rid of me that easy (laughs) and we've been very good friends ever since so we've shared so much of each other's life it was a two-way process I think that love really comes across in the in the writing like Uh, that it's 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 so beautifully written so beautifully written we had well we still have this Amazing connection of um, trust, really. It is, it is all down to trust. 
because if if there's any hesitancy, I think you can pick that up in um it makes it almost unreal it 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 becomes written simply to write instead of for a purpose and it is obviously very honest and and you know you don't want to be omitting anything because no. that's what makes it such a wonderful story absolutely like yeah. how absolutely. lovely that you got along so well right away oh yeah that's so nice yeah. well let's while we're on the kind of topic of writing yeah um your so your blog which me am i today dot wordpress dot com yeah everyone should check it out yeah um you comment in the book about the role of writing mm. in terms of retaining some control mm. um like noting down your thoughts and research and learnings and that kind of stuff stuff so you can revisit them and it's another tool that you mm. use to kind of bring yourself back to yourself when when necessary that's right um can you talk a bit about how you why how you decided to write a blog and yeah. um, and what it means to you oh well my blog is simply my memory because if i t- tomorrow's blog will be about today and so if i didn't write it today soon after we've had this conversation it just disappears. Mm. So my blog is very important to save all the wonderful moments that I have uh, and to be able to look back and and think, oh, wow, did I do that? That's wonderful. And you've done so much incredible uh, stuff uh, and I'm sure that's continued more since... Uh, since oh, absolutely. It's brought me a different stuff. Yeah. <laughs> a different audience and uh, um, because I call all this my Sudoku, mm. because it keeps my brain exposed to different conversations and different environments. And, and uh, whenever I stop, like the post-Christmas is a dreadful time because nothing happens mm. <laughs> and dementia starts to take over and it gives you that unrealistic feeling that it's nice not to do when in fact it's the it's the worst thing you can do because dementia just takes over so the busier the busier that you stay yeah the better things are i i always say i'd rather die of exhaustion than dementia <laughs> i mean you the, the, you do so much in the, in the book and i'm sure yeah. that since the book there's been a lot more yeah. um what do you think? I mean, everyone should read it to find out what the things that you have been up to. But um, what do, what do you think is the most special thing that you've done as a result of all this kind of stuff? Do you think the book or? Oh my goodness! I I, I often talk about the advantages of dementia, which is it sounds you know people think I've lost the plot when I start talking about that. But you have to look for the positives in something so so rubbish mm. to help you cope with it. And, for instance, I met uh, the Hollywood actress Julianne Moore uh, at the premiere of Still Alice some years ago. So, you know, how surreal is that? I would never have met her if I hadn't been diagnosed with dementia. She sounds like she was lovely as well. Oh, she was so kind. She spoke about you on TV, didn't she? She did. Uh, I missed it. And everybody was emailing me and tweeting me to tell me all about it. Uh, So I had to watch it online. But that was very kind of her. It was 
Oh, oh, it was just wonderful. You've spoken about, um, because in the book you mentioned how much Twitter has helped you. Oh, yeah. It seems like all of, and obviously you speak a lot on FaceTime to your daughters, and you've used WhatsApp to write your book, and you you set lots of reminders and walking apps. It seems like modern technology has really been your friend here. Which is really strange, because before dementia, (laughs) I didn't have a clue what a blog was, what Twitter was. I I was a technophobe. My my team that I used to work with at, at the hospital, they laugh their socks off when they see everything that I'm doing because I would ask them everything <laughs> at work. But I've realised that, especially because I can't use the phone and lots of conversation is sensory overload for me. So I call the likes of Twitter, my silent conversation, because I can converse with people, with many people at once, but silently, Mm. my fingers doing the talking rather than me. So that's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful way to, to contact people that you would never have access to normally, and to hopefully for them to listen, yeah, and learn, and you've and through that you've been you've, you've met some very interesting people, and you've you've gone on to do kind of take part in research and stuff like that. It's yeah, been a... so so much. Uh, um, I do everything that people ask me to. Mm-hmm. Uh, s- simply, as I say, as as a means of of continuing to do. Of course, of yeah. course, and um, so. While the book obviously has incredibly sad moments, Mm. the overall sense that I was left feeling, apart from complete awe at Mm. you as a human being, was hope. Yes. Well, that's the one thing that we're never given at diagnosis. Mm. You know, there is no cure. We know know the inevitability of the ending is not a pretty sight. But I never dwell on... The things I've lost, what I can't do anymore. And I never dwell on the future because I have no control over either of them. And instead, I enjoy today and I enjoy moments like this. I'm enjoying Uh, it too. (laughs) (laughs) And I always say if today is a bad day, tomorrow might be better. So I think it's something all of us can live by to enjoy the moment more. That's, that's I mean, we absolutely forget. Mm. And so many, I feel like, you know, you can live in the past and live in the present mm. and, or mm. live in the future and not take the moments to, not take that's the moments right. to enjoy the day. And it seems like that was one of the biggest learnings. It is. The moments in the past have been a blink of an eye. Mm. So make the most of all the good moments today. And just sometimes just sitting and looking at the world around you and seeing what beauty there is. Because we don't do that enough. No, we? Don't, yeah. definitely not. And I was I was guilty of anyone of that. You know, when I was working, I was a workaholic. I would rush here, there and everywhere and wish for holidays, wish for the weekend, wish for next year. And you're wishing your life away mm. instead of enjoying today. Enjoying the magic of the day. That's yeah. right. Such a good thing to, to take from it. Yeah. Um, so it's one thing that was so impressive about the book as well is is the ways the techniques that you've used to kind of continue doing things and to do more you know mm. and um it's, it seems that there's a lot about adaption 
Yes. Yeah. And could you speak a little bit about how you've adapted? Yeah. I I always say that um, surviving any uh, life-changing moment, uh, and for me it was having that diagnosis of dementia, uh, survive, uh, t- to survive it, it's all about adapting to whatever the circumstances throw at you. And me and dementia play games every single day of adapting. It will throw something at me. I, I always describe it a bit like a game and I don't like losing. And <laughs> Competitive. So, yeah. <laughs> no, so dementia will throw a challenge at me and I'll try and outwit it to find a solution. For, for example, um, when I moved to my new house in York, I... Um, I live in a row of four houses that are almost identical. And I met my neighbour by thinking their house was my house. <laughs> so he, I couldn't remember the number of my house, so I'd let me set myself in anywhere. <laughs> uh, so to make my house stand out, I put two forget-me-not tiles either side of the door. And so now I, I know exactly where I live because of the forget-me-not tiles. Yeah, you've got the, the sign there. Yes. Yeah. That's a nice story from the book. Yeah. Um, so um, it's clear from the book and from speaking to you now just that you've always been inherently capable and determined. Mm. And um, you speak about uh, in the book about how having a progressive illness has the capacity to really focus the mind yes. and about giving you a real sense of purpose. Wow. Um, yeah, can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, well... It, again, it comes down to what's important. You you look at life very differently. And it, it showed me and my daughters... Uh, we, we always used to be very close, but we rarely used to see one another because we were all so busy doing things. But now we find time for one another. We talk to one another every day. We... It's enabled them to appreciate time and living in the moment. And so we, we, we so appreciate the now and what's around us far more than, than we ever used to. And it's brought us much closer together. And it's also taught us the importance of talking. Because if you don't talk about the things that uh, your deepest worries and concerns then no one can help you and so they always want to know what's worrying me but I'm still a mum so I always want to know what's worrying them mm. and so we talk far more than we ever did how wonderful so yeah. you know each other that's right yeah that's right and we you know they know we had that very difficult discussion about end of life but they understand why I want what I want now Um, and yes of course it's a difficult conversation but now I know that they won't have to make any difficult emotional decisions when the time comes because we've made them so it's almost like the future is written down done and dusted filed away we've talked about it and every now and again, they'll bring it up again because they'll ask, are you sure that's what you still want? 
But they feel able to have that conversation now more easily than we ever would years ago. That's so important. Talking, oh, you know, the hardest yeah. conversations are often the, the well, often the yes, rest. The... It, it is, and and it's the fact that if you don't have them, the chaos that can occur. Yeah. With people you love deeply, you put you're throwing them into chaos because you haven't put things in place. And it's so simple when you think about it, just oh, a conversation. Yeah, just and talking. Yeah, and talking. also the joy that comes from talking and getting to yeah. know your daughters in a, a deeper level, like that's, a lot of people don't have that same closeness. No, absolutely yeah. not. How wonderful. I'm yeah. so happy that that's happened. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, obviously identity plays a huge, a huge role in the book. Mm. How you battle with its shift, both in your role as a mother, as you just yeah. spoke about, and as a manager at your yeah. job at the NHS, and as a friend. Yeah. Um, can you talk a little about your exploration of shifting identity within mm. the book? Well, I always, I always think my book is about the loss of the old me, mm. but more importantly, the birth of this new me, because they're very different characters in some respects. The old me was immensely private, immensely... um, I wasn't shy, but I was happier in my own company. And now this this gregarious, outgoing person (laughs) has suddenly developed um, that I never knew I had. So it's actually... I, I always call myself lucky that this has happened to me, again, to cope with. But I've been able to discover a new me through all this tragedy. Um, And I quite like the new me. um, I can't feel anger anymore, so I never get angry at people. I've only got three emotions, happy, sad and content. So where I once would have got angry at people, I now just get sad. So I never have that confrontation that people often have when they get angry. How interesting. Is that that, that a common thing? Mm. Well, some some people have the opposite, so they get very angry. So I think I've come off best again. I think I'm very lucky that I've lost anger. Yeah, and the and the and the things that you've done and the people that you've met, I mean, you've yeah. the, the the learning to speak up and stuff like that as well. You speak about that quite a lot in the book, like yeah, you know, contributing in conversations and being involved in kind of how to make things better for people that are suffering from the same mm. thing or not suffering from it who've been yeah, diagnosed. Thank you. With, yeah, thank you. My mistake. Yeah. Well, that that seems like that's obviously another theme in the book. You know, yeah. the, the sort of sense of abandonment of. Um, of when you're diagnosed and being told there's nothing that you that they can do for you, yeah. and then also in terms of your role mm. as, a, as an employee of the NHS, mm. and it's um, you know, of that being that kind of lack of understanding. But when you see your example, mm. you think that a lot could, a lot could be done to make it different and to and to That's change right. how yeah. And so yeah, would you mind speaking about this a little bit? Like how we we could help people's understanding. Obviously, everyone should read your book because I yeah, think that's a good course. place to start. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's. Uh, it's actually, you know, again, I say I'm lucky because I'm very resourceful and I'm very independent. Um, so I've got the courage to speak out and to say 
how to put things right and, and what's wrong. Uh, the people I feel so sorry for are the people that don't have my confidence. And many people, I've had thousands of emails since my book, and many people have written to me saying how, you know, they they could never do what I'm doing. And I, I say to them, but, you know, not everyone's a Wendy, thank goodness. <laughs> uh, you know, the world is made up of so many different characters. And no matter what you do, however small, it's so important. You know, because all of it put together make a change. And one person can't change everything. Yeah. So I always say to people, no matter how small your contribution is, that's just as important as my contribution. How wonderful. And, do, and um, obviously having a book in the world must be, must be such an exciting experience. Oh, how, can you talk yeah. a little bit about um, you know, like the feeling of holding it in your hand yeah. and, 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 um, and how people's responses have been? Yeah. Because obviously it's a Sunday Times bestseller. Oh, I know. How, <laughs> Congratulations. How crazy is that? That's... Uh, I mean, that's all just wonderful, just wonderful. All I wanted when Anna approached me was to hold a book in my hand to say it's mine. Mm. And because everybody says, oh, they've got a book in them, they must write a book. And so I just wanted to have that book in my hand. To, to think that thousands of other people have had my book in their hand and read it is just overwhelming and humbling and the the emails that I got have, have just been so touching um, I like to reply to everything both on Twitter and email and just to say thank you because people have taken the trouble to write to me so I feel like I must take the trouble just to write back and say thank you and there was one woman who was going through the diagnosis process who said she'd been terrified of what she was going to hear. And she read my book and she said, after reading your book, I thought, bring it on. Because <laughs> there's so much I still can do. And that's the important thing to remember. But also people who are supporting someone with dementia so many of them have written and said how they now understand better what what their loved one is going through and one one woman wrote and said how she hadn't spoken to her mother for ages she was now in a nursing home and she thought that was just the end so she never bothered contacting her wow. and after reading my book she rang her and they organised Christmas over the phone. So, you know, to bring a mother and daughter together, how, oh, that's just overwhelming. It's just wonderful. And if I only just do that one thing, then that will have made it all worthwhile. I'm sure there's, there's thousands yeah. of instances of situations that you've helped hmm. with because it is, it is that's it makes you see that there could be there can be a different way of thinking about that's it. That's right. That's that's exactly it. That it's just a different way of thinking because no one gives you a handbook when you're diagnosed. You are often simply abandoned, yeah. and people don't know where to turn. 
I always say you don't know what you don't know. And that's how people are left feeling when they're given a diagnosis. They don't know where to turn because it's a whole new world. Um, so it's, it's just showing people that there is a life still to be lived. Yeah. And there is still fun and laughter still to be had. And yes, it's a bummer of a diagnosis and you have <laughs> rubbish days. But enjoy those moments, those pockets of happiness or just a smile and that can make it all easier to cope with yeah oh my goodness wendy you're such yeah. an inspiration oh. <laughs> you really are um, let me just yeah well speaking of, of, of things that you've been up to so yeah. you've so you're doing a skydive oh, this saturday well hopefully yes. if the weather's good yes everybody's <laughs> got to keep their fingers crossed for the weather um <laughs> I'm doing it for for Young Dementia UK um, because people often forget that when you're under 65, that's when you're diagnosed with young onset dementia. And so many people have different circumstances. Yes, people are, are older, so important, and they have different needs. But younger people, they could have little children they could still have a mortgage like I had. Mm. They could be working like I was. And so little advice and support and help is given to you. Mm. And Young Dementia UK help provide that support for those that are under 65. So I'm, I've, I think I've raised nearly £3,000 now. So wow. uh, through the kindness of Twitter and my blog. Amazing. So... Just fingers crossed, and I can't wait to just leap out of the airplane. I'm so excited. Obviously, you'll share, you'll share it on your social media. Oh, oh yes, I, like will. I will. I will. I'm sure you'll love it. Oh, I just can't wait. So <laughs> excited. Uh, good. Oh, well, fingers crossed for the good weather. Um, so, as well as as we were sort of speaking about, kind of like how people can sort of change their one of the parts of the book that is that really stuck by me as well is the the instances of people people's kindness. When they when they were more aware of kind of how, or how they adapted their own behaviour to kind of help you in, yeah. a, in a way, or just to, just to sort of like be yeah more useful. And I wondered whether you could give some advice to people that kind of you know are super sympathetic yeah. but perhaps aren't that educated about it, and what we can do to yeah. make things better. Well, the first thing is is don't forget we're a human being. Um, so often when if I go to places with my daughters, they'll talk to my daughters. Mm. instead of me and yes I might need more time to think of an answer but just be patient with me and the answer will come Mm. Uh, so patience is a a huge um, trait to have when you're talking to people with dementia and also simply live in our world. What does it matter if I forget who the Prime Minister is or if I forget what day of the week it is? In the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So if you contradict us, then we just get confused as because we then start thinking, oh, well, what day is it really? And, and that makes us anxious. Mm. So just go with the flow. <laughs> There's so many, so many of the the messages that you're kind of giving about it. 
just seem like life lessons that we should all live oh, by. <laughs> that's it. It's not rocket science. As people think it's very, they must, this mysterious method that they have to use to to approach someone with dementia, but we're just human beings. Yeah, just be be a good human. Listen. That's right. Be patient. We've just got bits of our brain that are a bit skew if, but we can be fun to talk to. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, I, so your levels of determination are something that many writers aspire to. Yeah, <laughs> and I'd yeah. love to hear more about your how your determination worked when you were I mean it's hard enough to write a book without an Alzheimer's diagnosis so I wondered like were you how did you use that determination that you have to write the book so Mm. were you were you working on it every day yeah we did more or less we were but I enjoyed doing it it was a um I learned so much from Anna she taught me almost the craft of writing I remember we we always make fun of the red pen and I'll send something to Anna and in the beginning there was lots of red pen come back on it and changes and goodness knows what. And so we had this joke of the red pen. We still do. And she she taught me the importance of detail. Um, the little detail brings a story alive. And I didn't I didn't know that to begin with. I couldn't get my head around that until um, Anna would jokingly send a WhatsApp saying, you realise I'm going to probe more now. (laughs) (laughs) And I'd realise that I hadn't given her enough detail. So um, I can't remember if I've gone off piece now. Am I still on the right right line? So she she taught me the craft... um, and I enjoyed doing it so much and learning. You know, again, it was another way to stimulate my brain each day. And I just loved it. Absolutely. And I love that bit yeah. about the detail because I think writers yeah. can often get a little bit bogged down in the in yeah. the events or the, the plot. And it's the little magical bits that kind yeah. of bring it, bring it to life. Because if you think about it, those things are what I talk about living in the moment. Because unless you look at something in detail, you miss it. Mm. It's gone. Yeah, and it's the detail that can is so important. Yeah, it's well. The one of the bits that you do in the book is you kind of write sort of letters, not letters, but kind of like oh, bits yeah. where you write to your kind of old, like the the old self. That's right. Yeah. And I wondered if you could just speak a little bit about their kind of role in mm. within the book. Well, uh, we we wanted to make it different. We wanted. Because we knew it would be a difficult book to sell, almost, you know, to convince people to read it if it wasn't different. And so I can't remember now. I'll I'll say that I had the idea, but Anna will probably say she had the idea <laughs> <laughs> of writing almost these love letters to yeah. my former self, um, to show the you know to to show the old me and the new me. Um, they just, um, they they were delightful to write. I can't think of a nicer word than they were just delightful to write because they were, um, it was like bringing the old me back. It was, it was, those bits are lovely and they, they fit into the um, sequence 
magically because they um, they inform the the reader mm -hmm. uh, of certain bits of my life as we're going through it. Or oh, and when you're experiencing certain emotions or yeah. things like that, and then you have this sort of bit that shows you yes. a glimpse at your past. Do yeah. you remember when? And it's and it's yeah. and it's it's wonderful to. It also is a very is very good at showing kind of. The person that you were and the person that you are and that kind of transformation That's but also right. the positive the positives of both yes and it's yeah they are beautiful, yeah. beautiful i i always think the it also shows that how the characteristic and skills that i had back then have actually enabled me to survive better in this new world you know like i was always highly organized and so I haven't had to learn that new skill. I'm still highly organised. It might be a bit hit and miss, but I'm still highly organised. And that that is so key with dementia, because otherwise you just get thrown with what you're doing when and why. Of course, all the things that you do, like the, all of the reminders and the That's right. things like that, it's so yes. resourceful. That's right, yeah. yeah. And it, it's actually coming useful. There's a funny bit... You've just reminded me when we were writing the book, we were busy working and Anna had told me on WhatsApp that she was going for an appointment. And I I must have looked at my phone because I often, when she WhatsApped me, I'd look back at the message to see, remind myself what we talked about. And I looked at my phone and just typed, are you supposed to be there? Aren't you supposed to be at wherever she was going? And then there was suddenly silence <laughs> on the on the email. And she dashed off because she'd forgotten, which we always make fun of that one. <laughs> I like remembered. You're, you're reminding her, your personal diary. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wonderful. It sounds like you guys have developed a really wonderful relationship. Ah, oh, we did. Well, we still have, as I say, we still have that wonderful relationship because we... we went through so much if you think of a year in your life and we shared each other's life for a year mm. so you can't but help to become close if it's going to happen it's going to happen and again i suppose it's about that communication you know yeah. like speaking about any or any everything yes is the, you know did you have any reservations about being involved in this project like writing this book did you was oh, there any no no i i <laughs> I had reservations about my daughters because I, you know, they didn't sign up for any of this. Uh, and so I was very particular on what we could include and what we couldn't include. And I would always run it past them again, just talking um, to say, are you happy with that? Or do you want me to leave that out or whatever it was? And so that made me more comfortable thinking and it made them more comfortable knowing what I was going to say yeah so I always ran anything that where they were included I always ran that bit by them yeah how wonderful um, and finally what what's next apart from oh. the skydive do you, do you think obviously you'll keep writing and, oh yes um, so, and you write every day on your blog I do, don't you yes. wonderful so important do you have any yeah do you have anything exciting coming up that, are you planning to write another book well <laughs> I never say never anymore <laughs> so uh, who knows yes, taking every day as it comes that's right wonderful well thank you so much Wendy it's a real pleasure to meet oh, you oh thank you so much thank you
Have you heard about the Riffraff Mentoring Scheme? This is a new service with launch which pairs those currently working on books with published contemporary authors within your specific genre so that you can get expert advice and feedback on your work in progress. To read more, learn how to get involved, and to check out our incredible lineup of author, mentors, slash coaches, head over to the-riffraff.com or come say hey on Twitter at riffraff underscore LDN.